Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Policy Pack Software. We use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And also by Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also by Liquidware, providing enterprise class management solutions for physical, virtual, or cloud-based Windows desktops. If you enjoy this show each week, you have my great sponsors to thank. And now for some news. Bloomberg this week have reported that Microsoft may be in talks to acquire Discord for more than $10 billion. Microsoft and Discord declined to comment, and the article suggests it's potentially even more likely that Discord goes public rather than sells. The report also suggests, too, that Discord has been talking to potential buyers, so it's kind of a contradiction within the article. Obviously, since Microsoft declined to comment, the discussion on social media and even what has been written in this article is mostly speculation with the suggestion that Microsoft has been trying to acquire assets like previous attempts to acquire Pinterest and TikTok, for example, and that this Discord acquisition could line up with their Xbox division as Discord is so popular with gamers. I'm not huge into gaming, to be honest, but I have used Discord quite a bit with other techies as a more feature-rich and interactive form of Slack. It's been really great for some virtual events. Also, I take part in a Discord chat every week for another podcast that I like to listen to, the Alleged Wrestling Podcast. So if you're into wrestling and pop culture references and old movies and stuff like that, that's a great podcast to listen to. But something that I didn't know is that Discord has also been popular with schools during COVID lockdown restrictions. So it could have an even wider appeal than just gamers. And I think it should have a wider appeal because I really like the platform compared to some of the other platforms out there. Like I think it's better than Mixler. Personally, I prefer it to Slack. I know it's not really comparing like for like, but it doesn't annoy me quite the same way that Slack does, at least not yet. So it would be an interesting acquisition if Microsoft does decide to purchase Discord. In actual firm acquisition news, ZDNet reports that VMware is set to acquire Mesh7, who has a product that secures cloud-native applications and microservices by monitoring application behavior at the API layer. This makes perfect sense to integrate with their existing Tanzu product offering, and the space of security around containers has been hotting up over the last couple of years. There's been some high-profile security issues, particularly around Docker. And people have realized, while it's great to be able to scale so rapidly with containers, it can be very difficult from a transparency perspective, and importantly, a security perspective too. You need to be able to know what is going on across all containers on the network. The Mesh 7 solution is based on Envoy, an open source layer 7 proxy designed for large, 
modern service-oriented architectures. And it's reported that Envoy is a foundational component of the existing Tanzu service mesh. So you can see why this also makes sense from that perspective. No word on how much this acquisition is going to be worth, but I think this is a good call by VMware. Congratulations to everyone at Mesh 7. Speaking of Slack, Slacked Connect DMs feature was launched this week to a pretty frosty reception online. The feature allows you to connect with other Slack users from outside your organization. This feature allows you to connect with other Slack users from outside your organization and workspace from within the general workspace area at the top of your workspace. You'll see this DM Connect feature. ZDNet suggests that you can send things like a Canly prompt to get them to pick an available time on your calendar for a meeting or possibly send a DocuSign link for getting a document signed. There are clear benefits and when Slack is touted as a potential email killer, the ability to receive from those trusted individuals outside your organization makes sense. But some online believe this could be a dangerous feature and potentially abused for in Slack phishing messages and other nefarious purposes. The Verge has reported that Microsoft are set to give File Explorer its most significant UI change in quite some time. In the past when Microsoft has attempted to change some of the icons, people got pretty upset. But having seen the new icons myself, I have to say I like them. It's more fitting with modern design. If you'd like to see pictures of this, you could check out the YouTube edition of the show on 5bytespodcast.com and you'll find that with episode 169 in the YouTube column. Or alternatively, you can go to the link for the article that I'm referencing for this story and you can find that on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for episode 169. And the report by The Verge suggests that Microsoft is also planning a sweeping visual rejuvenation of Windows that they're codenaming Sun Valley. The company is expected to detail its visual plans and more about the future of Windows in the coming months as part of a dedicated news event. So that's going to be something to look forward to. There was a fascinating article on Euronews.com this week about a study completed by Purdue University into how internet infrastructure affects water and land use plus its carbon emissions spend. The study estimates that one hour of video conferencing or streaming emits between 150 to 1,000 grams of carbon dioxide. It also uses up to 12 liters of water and an area of land around the size of an iPad mini. Streaming videos in standard definition rather than high definition may result in an 86% reduction. Interestingly, the report is said to contain a breakdown of each country's impact and surprisingly, some countries with a large usage of renewable energy sources like Germany were among the worst offenders. So I guess next time we're asked to put our camera on in a Zoom chat, we should just say no for the good of the planet. Citrix App Layering version 2102 has been released and with it comes performance improvements for user layers and user personalization layers. But most significantly in my opinion, they announced support for Google Cloud Platform. I was a really big fan of Unidesk, but I've not been a fan of Citrix app layering thus far, at least not for use in my own environment, which requires quick changes often. 
The process of layering with Citrix app layering is just too time consuming. But one area where it wins a lot is the cross-cloud management capabilities. Being able to manage desktops, user layers, application layers, and the whole shebang across Azure and Google Cloud, for example, is a pretty compelling story. Also of note, they are finally shedding the old web UI that relies on Silverlight. They say they will be updating this in a phased approach, so the dependency on Silverlight is not going away right away. Disappointingly, with this phased approach, Silverlight is going to be required even after it goes end of life, which is not a good thing. Microsoft won't be patching Silverlight, obviously. Although, to be honest with you, I don't think I've seen a patch for Silverlight in quite some time as it is anyway. Citrix recommends if you have security concerns due to this, you can optionally use their Citrix Secure Browser service to get some peace of mind. Nice upsell. ZDNet has reported that Microsoft have released a security intelligence update for Defender and System Center endpoint protection, which applies mitigations on the Exchange Server vulnerability that are reported over the last couple of weeks. Microsoft Defender Antivirus will automatically identify if a server is vulnerable and apply the mitigation fix once per machine. If automatic updates aren't turned on, it's said that it is recommended that users manually install the new update and make sure their software is upgraded to at least build 1.333.747.0 or newer. If you don't follow Malware Tech Blog on Twitter yet, you should. He had a pretty interesting thread on the topic of the exchange vulnerability. So he set up what's called a honeypot, which is basically a contained vulnerable system put out as bait to see what attackers will do. And he has some threads on what kind of attacks were attempted on his honeypot, including that someone just ran a script on all vulnerable exchange servers out there via the vulnerability, and it claims to be Black Kingdom Ransomware, which he puts in quotes, but it doesn't appear to encrypt any files. It just drops a ransom note to every directory. So maybe not the most sophisticated or slick ransomware out there because it's not really ransomware. It's just pretending to be ransomware. But the thread goes on and there's other examples too. If you haven't patched against the proxy logon vulnerability yet, I don't know what you're doing because this is a very, very serious vulnerability. Make sure your exchange servers are patched and also run the one-click mitigation tool that Microsoft put out there to ensure that all web shells that might have been left behind for attackers to get into your systems even after you have patched have been cleaned up. So not just installing the patch isn't good enough. You're going to want to run the one-click tool for the cleanup as well. And of course, the one-click tool will patch and do the cleanup. Speaking of security, a quick hit story here, but Microsoft has released some fixes for the Windows Sandbox feature in the new Windows 10 preview, which is said to provide significant performance improvements when launching into the Sandbox. And that's on Insider Preview Build 21343, which is in the dev channel now. BleepyComputer.com reports that popular Google Chrome extension Clear URLs has been blocked by Google. This, extensions, this extension removes tracker IDs and parameters that are commonly appended to URLs for tracking purposes. The developer has appealed to Google against the blocking of the extension, and Google apparently claimed that it was blocked due to being in violation for having a 
extension description in the Chrome store that was too detailed and in violation of Chrome Web Store rules. Obviously, no one online is buying that excuse from Google. And the article goes on to suggest that Google may have removed the extension because it affects their business model. I mean, tracking what sites you go to and how you're using the web is their whole thing for selling advertising. So that kind of makes sense. Of course, that's just speculation or I guess allegations at this point, but it does kind of line up in my opinion. Several months ago, I reported on a serious vulnerability in PSExec that was patched by Microsoft. Shortly after Microsoft patched their vulnerability, the security researcher who notified of the bugs stated that with a few tweaks to his code, he was able to bypass the fix they put in place. So now a further mitigation has been put in place within the latest version of PSExec. So make sure you download the latest version of PSExec for all the work that you do that requires that. And finally, the MSIX packaging extension version 1.1 is now available in the Azure DevOps marketplace. It said that this release features improvements in the MSIX package signing task, which now allows you to import your certificate used to sign your MSIX packages from either the Azure pipeline secure files or the Azure key vault. And now, this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. So I'm gonna keep it short this week. I would like to first say congrats to Aaron Parker as his awesome Visual C++ redistributable PowerShell module has surpassed 1 million downloads. If you're not using this right now, you really should. I think, I would imagine every enterprise organization is using Visual C++ redistributable. Uh, most people using Windows are using Visual C++ redistributable for some applications. So having this PowerShell module to help you get information about what versions are out there and to help you manage it is very beneficial. So if you haven't checked that out before, definitely check it out. And also to shamelessly promote some of my own work, this week I posted a blog on my efforts with integrating Numescent Cloud Paging and FSLogic's profile containers and app masking. So the profile containers was of interest to me because you know, I'm currently managing profiles with FSLogic's profile containers. And I think for Microsoft Enterprise customers, that has been the main appeal of FSLogic's thus far. The way they handle the Windows profiles is much simpler than the majority of other solutions out there. So since I was deploying, my apps for cloud paging, I just wanted to make sure that the two agents required could coexist with each other and that the FSOGIX profile container could continue to function and manage the profile as expected with these apps being delivered with Numescent cloud paging. And the short is, yes, it can. And I've got more detail on that and what I found within my blog post. And I also tried out app masking, which has a more limited appeal with cloud paging just just due to the way it works but it does have some uses so if you're an messing cloud paging customer today or maybe you're thinking about being one and you're interested in will it work with your fs logics you could check out this article for more and watch this space because i'm going to have more blog posts around nemesin cloud paging i'm thinking about doing some blog posts on rpa i have a few kind of high level 
blog posts sitting in my drafts that I need to complete on various different topics like security, for example, just some general thoughts around IT consultancy and that sort of thing. I want to change up what I'm blogging about a, a little bit because I think the topics I've covered in the past have been a little repetitious. I want to blog about products that people might not necessarily know about yet. Well, that's it for another show. Thank you all so much for listening.